Facing a crisis in your life or business? Take the helm and steer yourself in the right direction. It's time to take charge and make things happen with your host, Lynn McLaughlin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Taking the Helm. I am more than excited today to introduce to you an international philanthropist and humanitarian, Michelle Jewsbury. She's done humanitarian work in Guatemala. She was the vice president for Young Vision Africa, and now she's founded Unsilenced Voices, an organization that focuses on ending domestic violence. Not only that, Michelle is in the entertainment industry. She's worked in casting as an agent, as a producer, as an actress in television, film, and on the stage. But we're not done yet. She's also a published author and a professional speaker. Welcome, Michelle. We're very excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Lynn. I, I look forward to this interview. Well, my goodness, where do we start? I think we go back in time to why are you on this journey? What happened to you in your life that those experiences that led you to where you are today? Got it. So um, let's see, I'll just kind of start from the beginning. Uh, yeah. I was uh, to two awesome parents. I uh, love my parents dearly. And unfortunately, one of them are with us any longer. So mm. if you're watching this, make sure you tell the people that you love that you actually care about them daily, um, because you never know how long they have or you have on this earth. Uh, but growing up, my parents always me to rely on our family. My daddy was military, so we moved around a lot our whole lives. Um, and ever since I was a child, I desire to give back. I don't know exactly where that came from. I didn't grow up in a religious household, um, but I, I wanted to give back. And if you fast forward my life to when I moved to Hollywood, say that's when I was about 20 years old to pursue an acting career and things were going well. And then I ended up meeting a, a man who was my Prince Charming. And about four months into the relationship, there was the first sign of physical violence. And I ended up staying with Paul for roughly four years. And during those four years, I endured psychological manipulation, financial abuse, sexual abuse, and a lot of physical violence. And when I escaped that relationship, I sat in front of my computer, very similar to what we're doing at home. And I started to document what happened to me. And when I documented, it came out in a play format. And I ended up writing and performing a 65-minute solo play about my experience in domestic violence in 2016. Mm. And then from there, people started coming up to me and telling me their stories of domestic violence. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I was vice president for a nonprofit organization called Young Vision Africa. And from there, I decided to leave that position and focus my efforts on ending domestic violence. And I worked on Skid Row for about six months. Uh, at the Downtown Women's Center, volunteering my time. And then I started a nonprofit organization um, called Unsilenced Voices. We work in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and we're expanding to the United States. Um, I've traveled to all those Trees, except for Rwanda, planning to go there next year. And um, I've been speaking on stages all around the world. And that give back that I felt when I was a child, I now get to do as an adult because of my experiences, which is kind of cool. There's just so much to unpack. So I want to go back to that three plus four year relationship. What guiding words do you give to women who are maybe 
you know, stuck in that cycle. I've heard you describe it as a cycle before. Yeah, I got it. So um, the cycle of domestic violence goes from walking on eggshells and then a big blow up, whether it's uh, physical violence, emotional blow up, sexual abuse, and then the apology stage. Mm -hmm. And that apology stage is what keeps most victims trapped in abusive relationships. And that's what kept me trapped. Um, there was one time in particular where I was beat for over four hours and I drifted in and out of consciousness that night and I ended up waking up and Paul was staring right at me and he just began to cry because my face looked like I had just completed 10 rounds in a boxing match and he he begged me to forgive him I'm so sorry Michelle I love you so much I promise I will never do this again and unfortunately I believed him my conscious and my subconscious both wanted to believe that he could change, that he wouldn't hurt me anymore. And honestly, he wanted to believe it as well. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. And I ended up trying to leave Paul six, seven different times before finally escaping. And if you are out there in an abusive relationship, going through this cycle, it is normal to leave and come back and leave and come back at least five to seven times before finally breaking free from a domestic violence relationship. And you're not alone. So the one thing that I do want to tell you is you aren't alone and it's not your fault. Because I know I used to blame myself. I triggered him. He told me I triggered him. I must have done something to upset him. No matter what you've done, you don't deserve physical and emotional and sexual violence. Not one of those three alone, never mind all of them together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, so there are women's shelters. You volunteered in one where I am. Of course, there's women's shelters. There's Hiatus House where I am, various um, supports and services. There's anonymous um, uh, helplines that you can call. So there's always someone, Michelle, isn't there, that when you're feeling this way and you're suffering, please reach out. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's not just the shelters. Um, there's a lot of people uh, women and men speaking up against gender and racial discrimination and domestic violence and human trafficking and sexual abuse. So find those people, reach out to them, talk to them, listen to amazing podcasts like the one that we're on now, um, because you can get that information that you need to gain the courage to leave your abuser, gain the courage to overcome those challenges that you had gone through and be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Now let's jump forward to your play. So I can't imagine what, what that must, the emotion you must have felt doing that <laughs> yourself as an actress reliving that nightmare. Yeah, you know, that was, that was insane. I remember uh, God kind of pressing on me to write this play mm -hmm. and I didn't, understand why um, I just knew that I had to get it out of me and I remember people used to come up to me and tell me well it must have been so therapeutic and when I was writing and when I was rehearsing I used to want to strangle them <laughs> I used to be like I don't want to hear that from you guys that it was therapeutic I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but looking back on it now the writing and the performing and especially the rehearsals. So a 65 minute solo play, I had to rehearse like five days a week. So I would beat myself up every single day, reliving the experiences that I had gone through with Paul, the being spit on, the being pushed against walls, the being sexually assaulted. And after doing the play, 
And after performing and putting down the script, it was almost like a weight was lifted off of me. I was able to showcase what happens in an abusive relationship and what happens specifically to me. And it made me be able to just breathe because I was able to get it out. And that's what's so incredibly important is just getting your story out. And you also published it in a book. It's called, But I Love Him, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, uh, my first book that I published, I published it in 2019. And um, it's my memoir. So both my play and my book are the same title. But my play was about 70% accurate. We had to put some theatrical drama in there. Mm-hmm. But my book is 100% accurate, except for locations, maybe some dates and names. Uh, but outside of that, I go into grave detail about some of the events that took place, some of the situations that I had gone through. Um, So if you are out there and if you do purchase, but I love him and it's available on amazon.com, if you have experienced domestic violence, it will bring back some PTSD. So I just recommend that the people who read it, if they are triggered, if you're triggered at home, um, just put down the book for a couple of minutes, go for a walk, take a couple deep breaths, and then go back to the story. What's the percentage, Michelle, of, of women who face domestic abuse? So here in the United States, it's one in four women. Internationally, it's one in three women. Uh, one in four women experience rape, and one in 11 men experience domestic violence in the U.S. Now, those are just domestic violence statistics. If we jump into human trafficking statistics, oh, based yeah. off of the Child Liberation Foundation, which we are working to collaborate with, and we hope soon that we could do some type of collaborative event, um, 18 million children are trafficked worldwide, 200,000 in the United States. And that are, those are bare minimum numbers. And the number one consumer of trafficking worldwide are white American males. So in order to stop these epidemics, we have to educate. So back to the conferences, um, after I performed the play and after I started the nonprofit, I felt called again to start going out and doing networking events. Mm -hmm. So that's what I started to do. And then I ended up going to a small business expo in about, I want to say October of 2018, that month might be a little off, but it was 2018, the end of the year. And I ended up meeting an amazing organization led by a man named Bill Walsh, who is now my mentor and my coach. And uh, he runs an organization called Power Team International. And I decided to jump right in and Power Team kind of crafted my story, helped me be able to monetize my intellectual intelligence, helped me to be able to speak my story from stage without literally throwing up on the audience and telling you way too much because my story is very graphic. Uh, But it's all about what you can do with your story. It's about the overcoming. It's not you being stuck in your circumstances, but how you've been able to get out, how you've been able to use your story to impact other people and yourself. So I jumped full full on. And then of course, 2020 happened. So I was on about 65, 70 different virtual summits and podcasts in 2020. And now in the United States, things are starting to open up. So we are live. So every month with Power Team International, all you need to go is go to I 
hawaiipowerteam.com and you can find the schedule there. Uh, we are in a different city every month. So I just spoke in Las Vegas. Next month, I'm gonna be speaking in Dallas. The month after, Austin. The month after, Houston. And in July, I'll be in Tampa, Florida. Um, and then there's multiple other events as well. I'm CFO of another organization and we're doing a lot of digital events. So if you are interested, you can go to studenteconomicforum.com and we have international women's conferences every two months and they are digital. Well, and let's not stop there. Let's talk about unsilenced voices as well. <laughs> My goodness, talk about a passionate and driven woman. <laughs> We're not finished yet. Okay. Thank you, Lynn. Unsilenced voices, we are expanding. So in 2020, we expanded to Rwanda. So when we first started, we were just in Ghana and Sierra Leone. Now we're expanded to Rwanda and we work with um, country-led organizations and individuals. So it's not that we're bringing Western values or morals or anything to Africa, but we are just bringing education. So what it is to respect a woman, gender equality, uh, why domestic violence is bad, why sexual abuse is bad, why genital mutilization is bad. So we bring those education points and then the organizations we partner with um, help us to make sure that everybody is sensitized, educated. So we are in the process of fundraising about a half a million dollars in order to fulfill our obligations to both Ghana, Sierra Leone, and Rwanda, expand to the United States. We're planning to do a domestic violence awareness tour here where we are going to partner with organizations in specific cities around the country and we are going to be providing a seminar, a workshop, a summit, whatever you want to call it, to where we'll educate the community, educate survivors, but also provide resources. So the organizations we partner with can provide those direct services and we'll be, we'll be able to provide that platform. And then we also want to expand to Nepal. So we're a fiscal sponsor of an organization in Nepal and we want to also be able to expand our services there as well. So yeah, lots and lots of stuff, which is great. <laughs> now, in, in addition to the education um, overseas, did I read something about providing shelters as well? So we hope to build shelters. As okay. of right now, especially in Sierra Leone, we, um, we have a vocational training center that we've partnered with. So we rescue girls from the streets who are selling themselves um, for very little and uh, they now are going through vocational training and learning a skill so they can sell what they make instead of selling their bodies on the streets. Um, we also are working with um, Commit and Act Foundation, which is an amazing organization in Sierra Leone. And I believe um, it is founded um, in Germany, but uh, they have a shelter and we want to do a collaborative shelter um, kind of in the, the middle of Sierra Leone. Um, in Ghana, we partner with an organization called the ARC Foundation, and they have an existing shelter in Accra, Ghana, and we help to fund that. So we send funds over there every month to make sure that the shelter uh, stays afloat. And then in Rwanda, we haven't been there yet. I'm traveling to Rwanda, we're hoping, March of 2022. Mm -hmm. And when I get there, then we'll evaluate what's going on there. So yes, shelters are in the near future, uh, but as of right now, it's a lot of education. That's all part of the plan. So, you know, little Joe Blow like me here in Southern Ontario, what, what can every person, any of us do 
about human trafficking besides educating ourselves? Is there an awareness? Is there some type of action I can be taking in my local area? I mean, I'm right on the border. Yeah. So if you think that you notice something that is not quite right, maybe a young girl with an older gentleman, maybe um, a young child or an adolescent who seems quite nervous um, hanging out with maybe an older figure or even a college aged uh, male and even females are traffickers as well. Um, Just, you know, notice that. And then if it's hard to break free. Like if, if the child is having a hard time breaking free from that person, um, when she or he goes to the bathroom or something like that, go in and ask, do you need help? Is there something we can do? I, I, I notice something is off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, was, there was a case uh, on an airline recently where this, this little girl was being trafficked and they were flying and the stewardess recognized that something was off. So she ended up writing a note in the bathroom yeah. and saying, if you need help, give us a sign. And the, then the little girl did. And as soon as the plane landed, police officers were there, the trafficker got arrested and the child got away. So um, it's just recognizing instead of closing our eyes and being like, oh, I'm not going to see that, uh, see, see it, recognize it, and then speak up about it, right? Because yeah. That's what well, back in the time when we could travel, I did notice this in a few places in Michigan and actually here in Ontario as well. And they were just signs that were in the women's washroom saying, um, if, if you are in deep trouble, this is more about abusive relationships. I guess it could be anything. Go to the, go to the bar and order this if you're stage one. If you need help now, go to the bar and um, walk behind the bar. We will take you to safety. But, you know, brilliant from business owners and establishments when you think about what you can do to be proactive by just putting a sign in a bathroom. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a male, um, I know that there is a temptation to go out and and purchase a sex worker. Um, A lot of people don't realize this, but like 80% of those workers that you see on the streets are there and they're forced because they have human trafficking. So we have to stop the Johns is what we really need to do. And that's the hardest part. Like I said, the number one consumer of human trafficking is white American men. So we have to stop the urge for those men to go purchase. Because if we stop the Johns, that means we stop the demand and that means the traffickers will stop taking children and adolescents and young women and men and we stop that through law enforcement how do we be proactive as these young boys are growing up yeah i mean we definitely can stop that through law enforcement but it's all about educating yeah um i am a huge proponent huge advocate on using your voice right so if you know something speak up about it don't stay silent and one of, one of the um, other factors that I do, I do a lot of private coaching. And my favorite client to work with is somebody who has experienced some type of trauma, grief, abuse, but they wanna do something about it. They wanna impact other people based on their story. So whether they want to be an international speaker, they wanna start a nonprofit, they wanna start some type of movement or ministry, they want to use their story to make a difference. And those people, are the ones that can really spread awareness about a lot of the injustices that happen worldwide, not just in America or not just in Canada, but all around the world. So yeah, so it is, it's all about education. We should have uh, television commercials, um, 
podcasts. Uh, there just needs to be more awareness out there. Well, and you're the role model for all of us, Michelle, in what you're doing and the, your voice, your voice now for how many years and how many summits and how many workshops. And in every single workshop, if there's 300, 400, 500 people, if you're affecting not only victims, but abusers who maybe need to take a step back and say, I do need some help. I need some help because there's something within them that they need to address as well, right? Fine. So abusers are also victims, um, even though they victimize others, um, they're hurt inside as well. And it's, it's through rehabilitation, it's through recognition and realization that they have a, an issue and they have a problem that they then can heal themselves, which then would heal the people they're hurting as well. So we're attacking this on many different fronts, from the victims to the abusers, to the people who are in positions of power, to corporations, to owners, to you want sponsorships, you need help carrying all of this on, correct? Exactly. Um, what, is, what is it that we can do, Michelle, to support you? What do you need well, from A bunch of stuff. So here we go. <laughs> uh, with unsilenced voices, we need money. That's, that's the biggest one, right? Because we can't do anything without funding. But we also need volunteers. So those volunteers could be fundraisers. Those volunteers could be people to come on board and help with organization, help with um, manning our in-person events. We actually have an in-person fundraiser and awareness event happening July 22nd in Las Vegas at the Bears um, country club. So we're very excited to have this be kind of our, our first awareness event, but we're raising funds leading up to that. We're raising funds after that, because like I said, we need about a half a million for the whole year, which is not a lot of money, um, but you, you can help five, $10. It doesn't matter what you donate. Uh, you know, even 27 to $37 will help one student overseas. Now, when we're looking at here in the United States, it's a bit more expensive, but any amount definitely helps. And you can go to unsilencedvoices.org. Again, it's unsilencedvoices.org and find out more information. You can contact me there and you can also donate there as well. And so Vegas will be one of many, many events that will, uh, that will happen across the United States. I hope you're going to be coming into Canada at some point. Yeah, no, definitely. I would love to come into Canada. Um, I am talking to a bunch of people in the UK. I'm also talking to a gal in Australia. So I'd really like to make this global, right? Mm -hmm. So right now, maybe we might start as a national um, awareness tour, but definitely want to expand this to an international awareness tour. Um, and Egypt uh, and the Middle East is definitely a, a spot where I, I'm called to, where I really feel like if we educate the women and the men in Egypt and in, you know, middle, middle, the Middle East, mm -hmm. then we can really make a difference and things can, can stop being so horrific. I mean, women are, are viewed as second-class citizens in most Middle Eastern countries. And, um, we, we need to change that because we're a global economy, right? We, we all breathe the same air and it's not the United States versus Australia versus Europe versus Canada. It's we're all in this together. Well, if we haven't seen that through the last year in the pandemic, I don't, you know, people are still naysayers. You know, I still hear people, Michelle, how do you respond to them? We say, we have to take care of our own at home first. You know, we have to take care of people here. That, that's not the way the world is working. That's not what should care and compassion and kindness goes worldwide. It's not just my neighbor down the street. 
Yeah, no, that's very, very true. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it was interesting when I started Unsilenced Voices, people asked me many times, why are you in Africa? Why aren't you in America? And um, my response was, well, why aren't you in America? Why aren't you doing something? So my response is, there are so many things that people can take a stand for, whether it's um, global warming, whether it's plastics, because I hate plastic, whether it is um, animal cruelty, whether it's domestic violence or human trafficking, you name it. There are so many different things that people can take a stand for. There are 7 billion people on this planet. If 10% of them took a stand for what they believed in, to make a difference, we would not have the problems we have today. So I encourage you, you at home, you can do something. Use your voice. Start, start a beach cleanup. Do something small, but you can do something to make a difference. Join a community organization. We have international organizations like Rotary International. It's already there. Um, there. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. There's something. You don't have to start something yourself. You can reach out to organizations like Michelle, if that's what you believe in. It's really hard for us, right, if we haven't been to Africa to understand um, it from that perspective, except for what we hear and we learn and we read and educate ourselves about, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I remember my first trip to Africa, it was in Kenya, and I, I landed and I, the people are amazing. They are humble and they would give you the shirt off of their back and they have no other clothes at home. Um, but there's injustice and a lot of it starts at the top, you know, the corruption and it trickles mm -hmm. down. So it's, it, there's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of um, abuse that happens. And uh, going over there, it's really eye-opening. You can't read about it. You can't watch videos about it. When you're there, you can, it's tangible. You can smell, you can touch, you can see with your own eyes. And it really made a huge impact on me, which has led me down the path that I'm at now. And with the last year where we've gone virtual, have a conversation with one individual and try to understand it from that individual's perspective. That's very often the change agent for some of us, right? Face-to-face, -face, even virtually, and listening to someone's story, to someone's life, to someone's experiences. Hook up like you have, you, um, Michelle. In, when you, how, many, how many virtual things did you say you did in the last year? Virtual presentations, conversations? or 70, something like that. I think I stopped counting at like 60. So yeah, it's been a lot. And, you know, using your voice. I know I, ca I keep saying it. Yeah. Um, but it is walk a mile in their shoes, even in America, even here in Los Angeles. Like I said, I worked on Skid Row for a little bit. Um, homelessness has increased. Uh, drug addiction. Here as well. Here as well. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and it's trying to figure out, okay, so why did this happen? Not blaming them, though. You yeah. know, it's you don't want a victim blame and a victim no. could be uh, a person who's living on the streets. A victim could be um, a, a drug abuser. My brother right now is battling a drug addiction as well, mm -hmm. um, which is very difficult, but you know, I am praying. I am trying to show him that his life can be even better than using drugs. And uh, he's working on that. I'm, I'm hopeful, um, but there's a reason things happen. I talk to so many people where they think 
that homelessness is something that could be prevented and it was something that that person did to themselves. They made a choice. Uh, yeah, they made a choice to be living out on the street. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's typically not the right answer. That's typically no. <laughs> for it. And, and it's, it's trying to understand where they're coming from, what happened in their lives that led them down this path and then how we can help them. So yeah. pick something, right? If you're at home, Take something, take a stand for something. Um, the world needs you and the world needs your, your story. So, All right. So I'm just going to end with Michelle's hope. It's that her hope is that through her bravery and boldness, she's going to inspire others to take charge and participate in ending domestic violence, sexual assault, trafficking, human trafficking. And as you've just said so brilliantly, Michelle, pick what you want to have your voice about and get out there and let's make some changes in this world. We have hope. We have a future. Let's make it the brightest that we possibly can. We do. And again, if you would like to get a hold of me, you can either go to unsilencedvoices.org. That's the nonprofit. If you'd like a free gift, all you need to do is visit unsilencedmyvoice.com. Again, it's unsilencedmyvoice.com. And you can either get a copy of the intro of my book, or you can get five steps to help you overcome challenges just by visiting that site. Mm -hmm. And I always put all of those links in the show notes. So anyone who's listening on a podcast app, jump on onto the notes and you'll have everything there for you. Thank you so much, for, Michelle, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Lynn. Now, Michelle has said it so eloquently. If we each chose one cause, one thing that we believed in locally, in our municipality, in our state, in our province, in our country or worldwide, imagine if each one of us took action on one issue we could change the world to a much more positive place and in not that long a time. And with that, I challenge you and have a healthy and safe day, everyone. Thanks for listening. To learn more from people who are steering in the right direction, go to lynnmclaughlin.com and search the archives of every interview or subscribe to this podcast feed. A new episode is published every Wednesday.